not telling us. What the f you know about this, you dirty hey, hey, Phil. Phil Collins is out of his mind these days. I don't know what's going on with him. My son's in the dirty burgers, all I got. Then. What about you, Four Eyes? Oh. Did you just call me Four Eyes? Well, I just met a big mustard tiger. All I did was call him the mustard tiger. I mean, he had a big tiger and he was all covered in mustard. And I thought it was, you know, a pretty cute little name. And all of a sudden he snaps and starts smashing Ricky's car up with a leg. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. We are excited here to bring you the uh, the interview with Kyle Freges here uh, momentarily. We'll we'll touch on that, but first, before we get into all that good stuff, let's introduce the other hosts here on tonight. We got none other than Max Benty. And I. I'm doing good, battling a little technical difficulties here tonight. Wi-Fi went down. It's Arctic frozen cold here in Minnesota, as I'm sure it is in Wisconsin. All the Wi-Fi went down uh, across the board here where I'm living. And, uh, yeah, going old school, man. Headphones and phones. So if, if there's any audio issues, I sincerely apologize. Um, but happy to be here. Especially coming off just a wild weekend, man. Brian, I see you repping the Packer hat. Could not be happier than oh, how oh. them boys showed up. Made a believer him. out of everybody. Yeah, he's him. <laughs> he's absolutely him. Uh, he might be, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. Just, uh, <laughs> I'm pump the brakes, but. Were you about to say uh, first Bally? Impressive showing out of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, might as well just put the gold jacket on him now because uh, it's gonna happen. It's inevitable. Um, it uh, it was a it was a fun weekend though. But excited to be back. Talk about some musky fishing. It's cold. It's miserable. Uh, so let's get into it. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Good to have you back after a little hiatus. Are you refreshed? Are you ready to go? I am. I am happy to be on this one. Looking forward to sharing this chat uh, with Kyle, with everybody. Um, yeah, had a great weekend watching a ton of football. I mean, just what what a revitalization for the NFL after just a just a brutal regular season, boring games, horrible QBs, <laughs> sloppy football, and then they bless us with this wild card weekend. I mean, you got Jordan Love lighting Super it up. Super wild card. Super wild card. Jordan Love lighting it up. Packers getting the upset. You got the Texans shocking the world. I mean, we we got incredible matchups here coming this weekend. Yeah. Uh, round the horn here. Uh, you guys got advancing this weekend. Oh boy. What's what's the first game that is I think coming Texans, up? Texans. Texans. Ravens, and then Packers. Niners on Saturday. On Saturday. Let's go. Well, I mean, one of them, we're, there's going to be an upset, and we know what's going to happen. Uh, going to have to go for them, Packers. That's an obvious answer there. Maybe a little stating some overconfidence here, but that's just what we do. Uh, you know what? I'm going double upset. C.J. Stroud is taking wow. truth, dog. Taking over. Dog. It's just going to be double young quarterback <laughs> Saturday. Just shocking the world again that would be sweet that would be sweet it would be cool that would be good football 
I'm torn there though. I'd like to see Stroud ball out, but I'm I'm pushing for Lamar. I want him to prove to the world he's the man. I do. That'll, I that'll do just agree. be a fun game. Yeah. I do agree. I would. All right. Yeah. I'm big. I, I'm I, I'm big trust. I'm I'm Lamar all the way in that first game. I think mm-hmm. Ravens roll, and you already mm-hmm. know. I I think I think Vegas is sorely mistaken with that line they're hanging out for the Packers Niners putting Packers as an underdog. I mean, I know that I know the Niners are a juggernaut, but dear Lord, hold on, hold on. They this just in. Nervous. They got to be. <laughs> they got to be nervous about the green and gold coming into town, and Packers, uh, I think I think Packers can get it done. Packers money line is free money. You heard it here first. <laughs> Y'all can hit Max yes. after the game with any concerns. <laughs> yeah, I already know that we're going to be getting on next week and. <laughs> maybe having some soggy sorrows, but yeah, there it was an entertaining, entertaining weekend of football. Obviously, I think I like the Lions. I think Dan Campbell's got those boys humming. I think they take it into the NFC Championship game, and uh, you know, I think Bills being at home is a big deal uh, for that that Chiefs Bills game. I think there's going to be some something's going to happen in that Chiefs game where one of those wide receivers is either going to drop a ball that's like at a crucial time where they need to make a catch or <laughs> something like that. Some of those demons that have been haunting them all year are going to spring up and, and I think bills get it done at home as well. So do factor. I agree. Bill's going to get it done. Good picks. Good picks. I like the Sunday picks as well. All right. I think before we get into too much football talk, we're going to just dive right into the interview <laughs> So we get to listen to Kyle Frieges with Cabbage Dragon Media and not some sick dude, a guy talking out of a tin can, and Brian. So here's the interview. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Go! Go! Back, go! go. All right, guys, on the line here tonight, we got Kyle Freges with Cabbage Dragon Media on YouTube. Kyle, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Surviving, trying to stay warm. Brutal last two days up here in uh, mid to northern Wisconsin. I agree. It's been uh, a little bit too warm to kick off winter here, and uh, now it's a little bit too cold for my liking, but we're finally making ice. So hopefully everybody will be able to get out on the lakes and, uh, take advantage of that. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to a little bit more, a little bit more ice. I've barely been out this year as we were just talking before recording here and I'm battling a cold still right now to start this, uh, weird winter, but so far, uh, not so bad, but, uh, Anyways, we got you on here tonight because you have a sweet YouTube channel that you've kind of, I would say, exploded as of recently and your videography, you know, capabilities and what you've been producing. Um, And I think that's something that we're definitely going to touch on here tonight. But maybe before we do that, give the uh, listeners just a little background of yourself and kind of how you got into uh, filmmaking and and videoing going after these sweet fish that we're all missing ever so much right now yeah so my my story is i guess a little bit unique from maybe some of the other stories you hear about people 
building a YouTube channel and kind of getting into the filmmaking side and stuff. And um, it really goes back to kind of my childhood where I used to go on an annual trip kind of right when school would get out at the end of May, early June with my grandfather up to Eagle Lake. And um, Eagle became kind of a, a place that was really special to me in terms of like getting up there, being out in the wilderness, the seclusion, just chasing adventure for like a week straight. And we, when the pandemic hit, the COVID-19 pandemic, they obviously closed the border and folks couldn't get up, up there across the border. And, and I was one of them. So there was a few years there where I wasn't able to actually cross the border. And during that time, like I really kind of longed for that adventure. Um, well, I'm sure we'll touch on Eagle a little bit more later on here, but uh, it's just a really special place because it's, it's just full seclusion, full wilderness. And I really wanted to get back up there. And when they lifted the border restrictions, it was like very short notice. It ended up being like the end of August and um, not my buddy who used to go up there with me um, as kind of a childhood friend and up through high school and, and college and whatnot. He couldn't make it on short notice. And I told my wife, like, I'm I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go back up to Eagle. It's my favorite place in the world. And uh, I'm, I'll go solo. And she said, well, you know, I'll uh, I'll go up there with you if you'd like and I was like well sure in the back of my mind I'm going I may never get her back up here with me again so like I want to like capture this and make some videos for ourselves and um what it ended up turning into was like I really kind of got into like the videography side uh capturing the content putting it into a video that flows well tells a story and um from there it's just kind of snowballed and I guess grown and it's it's funny because like when I look at what I put out now compared to what I put back, put out back then, like it's, it's night and day difference. <laughs> Most of my footage was like the big camera shots are filmed on a cell phone. Um, now I use a, a much better mirrorless camera, um, which obviously shows in the footage. And um, I, I wasn't real good at like cutting clips to like kill out kind of the dead airtime and whatnot. Um, so it, it, it's been an evolution, but it's it's kind of funny to look back on some of those earlier videos and see how it's evolved over time and off of just like one random trip that my wife decided to want she wanted to go on and and now she goes every year with me. So it ended up being more than just a, a one time deal, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Your your editing is very impressive. Um, you even make the ice fishing videos intriguing when uh we're just wanting open water and musky again. So <laughs> props to you on that. But in terms of your ice fishing this year, I know you said in the beginning kind of been waiting on this cold snap to get some better ice, but what successes have you have have you had? Um, I know you did a little spearing in your latest video. Uh, if you want to touch on that and any other excursions you've been on. Yeah, so that's a that's another interesting kind of annual trip I go on with my grandfather. Uh, he actually got me into it. He's been going on that trip. They used to go in early December and with ice conditions kind of being a little bit more suspect earlier on in the year now than they were 50 years ago. He started going right after Christmas. It's kind of been a tradition for like the last 20 years or so that I've been doing it. And uh, this year was by far the worst ice conditions we've ever had as most folks in Minnesota and Wisconsin know it's been a really, really warm winter to start it off. And then we had four days of rain, like straight rain over Christmas and we went up there and ice was deteriorating and it wasn't great. And most of the lakes we drove past were wide open, but luckily the place that we 
we go in northern Minnesota had like seven to nine inches of ice. And there was a few spots with a little bit less and we had to be really careful, but we got out and, and uh, we couldn't get to where we normally like to set up in terms of, of dark house spearing pike. And, and it really made it challenging because it's, it's kind of a, the area we could get to is just like a giant sand flat. So it was like, take your guess on where you're going to cut your hole (laughs) and see if you get lucky Uh, kind of a situation so it ended up being like four days of just struggling like moving constantly and like no footage at all and I was able to at least put one video together when we kind of got um on some fish the last I don't know day and a half or so um and and started actually having some some success there and I kind of wanted to walk through the setup and stuff because it's a really niche sport not a lot of people do it and you know as an outsider looking in it's it's like it looks like it could be like a lot or like an ominous situation where you're like trying to figure out how do I cut a hole this big? How do I go about luring these fish in and all of that? So we tried to touch on that too. And and that's kind of one of my goals with the channel this year is to be more educational, do a lot more talking to the camera and kind of explaining the why behind things and trying to help people out because YouTube has helped me out immensely throughout musky fishing, through ice fishing, through how to work on your ATV for crying out loud. Like there's a YouTube video for almost everything. So um, if I can extend that educational aspect to my videos, I think it'll benefit others maybe more than just watching some guy on Lake of the Woods in a vlog. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of routes we could go down there. uh, Before we get any further, I did see if I'm not mistaken, were you, were you sipping on a, a bush light peach still somehow? Yep. Right here. You get your hands mm. on those. Well, Gus, you know, when I heard Gus they will pay were, double. <laughs> when I heard they were winding it down for the winter, hopefully just the winter, <laughs> by the way. Um, I stocked up and I'm actually on my last case. So um wow. I it's gonna be a long rest of the winter when I finally kind of dwindle that down to nothing, but for the meantime, I'm a happy camper. I didn't That's know that someone matched smart. Gus's love for those things. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we were messaging about that a few times. I think I know that's in your uh, your Wisconsin musky battle video. You can kind of see it lingering around in the in the video a little bit. It's pretty funny. Such a good beer. But uh, yeah, so with YouTube and and I know you're saying like it's it's come a long way in just a year, and I, I've I've seen that for sure with your channel. It's kind of just like the natural progression of things kind of everything especially the sport as you're learning um you know how you can get more confidence with a certain bait just as you're saying with your own video skills and then even just talking to a camera i think we've chatted about this with other people and such on the podcast where max and i we've kind of tried GoProing things and filming things a little bit and i could tell that we were a little different off camera and that yeah that's just a a natural thing that happens but I see that you have gotten for sure a little bit more educational with your recent ones. I really liked the uh, the shallow September video. Uh, those are some really nice fish, and that was pretty pretty cool thing to stumble on. I don't know if you want to touch on that. That's a that was a cool video to see. Yeah, that was uh that was one of my favorite videos that I've maybe put together, and kind of the goal with that was obviously to highlight like. A really epic day and there were some clips that happened throughout the day that I didn't include um 
that was actually local fishing. I, I try not to do a ton of filming local stuff just because I, I don't want to spot burn. So there's some clips where like it's very noticeable, like where we may have been at the time that I, I kept out of it. But the goal with that one was, you know, you hear people talk a lot about September musky fishing and fish pushing shallow. But I, I don't know that everybody fully understands what that can mean at times. Like legitimately in September, when you get the first cool day, usually around September 7th to September 10th, when you start having those really cool mornings, those fish will legitimately push up into like a foot and a half of water. And I'm sure you guys have seen that with your experience and whatnot. And and that's what Tyler and I were doing that day was fishing shallow, shallow flats in like a foot and a half to three feet of water. And they were just piled in there that morning. And um, they were for about four weeks after that. Like I had a, a ton of success. I think I caught like seven or eight fish on a fat bastard. Like every time I went out, it was like a surefire thing that fish were either going to chase it or they were going to just hammer the bait. Um, so what I tried to do in there was kind of give some of those tips, maybe not verbally, but at least through text. And I've tried to kind of linger that into other videos too, when I'm going through the editing process. And I'm like, this is maybe a good spot to like throw a text snippet over the top of it to like help educate and bring people along and whatnot. And cause not everybody's an expert, you know, and, and a lot of people are at different, I guess, spots in their musky journey. So I, every little bit of information can help. And like, when I listen to your guys' podcasts or other podcasts or watch YouTube, I hadn't thought of that could take kind of my game to the next level to a certain degree. Uh, you guys got me. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're going to have to do some serious editing for me. I, uh, so something I find interesting about your, uh, your fishing journey is you're, you're a Minnesota native as I am right now. And I think, um, you know, I've enjoyed exchanging messages with you because you and I, share something in common. I know you do a lot of trips up to Eagle and, and whatnot, but you know, you, you also head over to God's country across the border quite a bit and fish Wisconsin instead of going North and, and fish in Minnesota Lake. So I guess my, my curiosity, um, you know, what's your draw to, to kind of heading, heading across the border and fishing Wisconsin more and learning these systems over, you know, doing a, uh, a central Minnesota or northern Minnesota trips because I've heard you talk about it man like I respect the hustle like you're up you know I've, I've heard you say you're up some mornings like 3 4 a.m you make the drive you fish all day and like you're back that night and uh, I know firsthand that that's not you know those are long days I've done a few of those so I guess what's the job there and then also you know have you considered expanding kind of more into like the central Minnesota northern Minnesota musky territories at all too yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I guess I'd, I'd respond with a question, Max. Have you ever been on Minnetonka at 11 a.m. <laughs> or two in the afternoon? <laughs> yeah, with uh, in a pontoon boat after six to nine to 15 beers with my shirt off, singing along to whatever music's on the radio. <laughs> that's the only time I've been out there at, a, at midday. Oh, yeah. We will get a taste of that in the PMTT next year. We're doing... Um, Obviously, it's going to Minnetonka in August, so I'll be really curious. I know you've kind of shared with me that it gets a little hectic out there, and I've seen that firsthand. I'll I'll be real curious to see how that goes, and especially fishing Friday and Saturday there for the tournament. Yeah, I, I'd say get your sea legs ready 
um, yeah. because between wakeboard boats and some of the bigger yachts and the sailboat club and all those things, it's, it gets to, it gets rocking out there pretty good. I, uh, mm-hmm. I actually fished it, um, for the twin cities, uh, musky tournament. I'm probably butchering the name now it's escaping me, but it goes on in early June. It's really good cause Thorn brothers kind of puts it on and it's, uh, it's a, it's a fun tournament to be a part of. And the, the prizes are pretty good too, but I, the Metro waters, you know, there, there's big fish in them. For me, it's just not worth the headache unless you want to be a, a vampire. And even then, even then it's risky. Like there's people out there at night that have had one too many adult beverages that aren't paying attention. Right. And like the last thing you want to do is get run over while you're in your boat trying to hook up right. a special 38 incher. Right. So it, like, <laughs> Uh, for me, the draw has always been Wisconsin's less busy. Uh, my family has um, kind of roots up in kind of the north central area of it. My parents have a lake place in northern Wisconsin. So there's always kind of that convenient tie to it, too, where it's like I can go up there and crash with them and fish their their lake, which is a really good lake for muskies. Um, oh, cool. But I, I, I don't know. I, I like the greenies. I, I just got I'm a sucker for the greenies. I don't know what it is about it, but. To kind of finish your your question, um, I've done some stuff in kind of that central, north central Minnesota. Um, I've, I, it, it's been mostly in like the September time frame when they push shallow and I've had pretty good luck up there. Um, the couple of times I've tried it or my boat partner has or one of us has. And actually, we're in the middle of kicking off a remodel on our house, a pretty substantial one. We bought our house seven years ago and it's it's shot. Everything's like 40 years old. So we're doing a very, very extensive remodel on it this summer. And we're actually moving to Brainerd for the summer. Um, so we'll oh, nice. be up in that central Minnesota area. And and uh, I plan to kind of kick the tires on some of the lakes up there and some things I've heard and um, hopefully jump in the boat with some of the guys from the, the Muskie battle that are kind of up in that area or up towards Bemidji and whatnot throughout the summer, but it'll be different this summer. I'll definitely spend less time in Wisconsin and kind of more time up there. And hopefully that doesn't jade me to the 50 inches versus the, you know, four foot greenies, <laughs> but we'll see. It'll be fun. <laughs> I feel like it's a whole different deal. You know, we've, we've been really limited with our Minnesota fishing and even me living here in Minneapolis. I've, kind of same deal obviously gus is in eagle river brian's in green bay so it's just a lot more natural for us to to go fish violets county um but that'll be fun to kind of follow along your journey up up there i didn't know you were moving to to brainerd i know there's some great lakes around in that area um so that's that's exciting i'll be curious to kind of hear what new challenges that brings because i just feel like those systems in that area are just so much different than you know, we typically fish over in Wisconsin. It's just a whole different world. Yeah, I, I agree. It'll be interesting. I'm not sure how much. I'm sure I'll capture a lot of it on film. I'm not sure how much I'll do with videos and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. It'll kind of be to be determined on that. I mean, I'm I'm excited to give the open water northern Minnesota bite a shot in kind of June because it's pretty renowned for that up in that area. And I've, I've never dabbled in it. I've experimented with it a little bit in Wisconsin. Um, and haven't had much success. So I'm curious to kind of learn that side of it a little bit more. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting. A lot of those lakes are, there's some smaller stuff up there, but a lot of them are bigger than maybe what I'm usually accustomed to. And I'm I'm like a sucker for skinny water locally. I, I love skinny water stuff. I think it's fun. I think the fish are isolated. I think they're uh, a little bit predictable at times. And 
it's just, I don't sure. know. It's, it feels like it's easier to narrow down, especially when like you got just a Saturday, like let's say you got 10 hours on a Saturday and you just want to try and get on fish. Uh, it's a little bit easier than breaking down a 2000, 5,000 acre lake, whatever the case may be. <laughs> yeah. So you've done that, right? Like I, I've heard you in other pods where you're literally waking up like what, 3 a.m. and then you're heading for day trips a lot of the times. Yeah, that's usually what ends up happening. Like I'm usually in the in the truck for two hours, maybe longer, um, depending on kind of what my gut's telling me. It's a lot of gut feel, <laughs> I'd say, without, sure. without any real like <laughs> strong leads or anything it's just i think i want to finish this lake today and it's two and a half hours away and that's where i'm gonna go and uh yeah it's i'm I'm kind of an early riser versus a night owl so like it's easy for me to wake up at two in the morning and get in the truck and go versus fight into the the uh waning hours of the night and the evening i think we might be polar opposites on that one i'm a night owl (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but fishing gets me up in the morning for sure um so d- you're saying doing all this traveling you know driving far to go fish did you fish a good amount of new water this year kyle yeah i actually i spent more time on local stuff like metro waters uh than i had the previous four or five years and yeah i, I mean Part of the challenge for me this last year was I I did two trips up to Canada, one to Lake of the Woods and then one to Eagle. So right there you lose two weekends because it's Saturday to Saturday. So you're a little bit limited in how much local fishing you can do. I I really gutted it out um, on local waters early in the season. And and I, I found some fish, but like my season started off on a lot of those new waters, like not sure what baits to be throwing. Um, Sometimes I'd get leads from buddies and whatnot on kind of where to start, but it started off with, I, I lost eight fish in a row that I had hooked and lost on these new bodies of water. And it's like, oh. on one hand, it's like a positive because like, okay, I found one. Yeah. You're right. Good, there. Right. But then on the other side, it's like, holy cow, like how much more can I sharpen these hooks before <laughs> one of these things actually sticks and, and lands in the bag. So it was, it was tough. Like if you go back and watch, I think it's the first video for my of uh, day four for my Lake of the Woods series. Like you, you feel two and a half months of frustration, like leave my body when that fish hits the bag and it's the first fish <laughs> I catch on the trip. And it's the first fish I caught last year. And uh, it was, it was tough up to that point. And then kind of went back into some of the stuff I'm more used to in August and September and just had a, a heck of a fall season this year. Um, had other opportunities. It could have been even better, but uh, it ended up making up for kind of how bad the the year started, for sure. So um, I wanted to to talk about these musk musky battles that you've been a part of here the last few years because it's something that I think we watch on YouTube and really dig. They seem like really fun times and kind of gets you out of your comfort zone going to fish some new water. Um, so your, your partner that you fished in with, is this, is this a buddy of yours that you've grown up with, or is this a guy that you just started fishing with recently? His name's Tyler, right? Yeah. His name's Tyler, uh, Tyler Eggenberger. He actually has a YouTube channel too, called, uh, Midwest fishing with Ty. And yeah, I've watched his stuff. It's good. Yeah. He had, he had a pretty good start to his season. Um, just a good, a good dude. And I actually, 
I met him at a boat ramp. Uh, it was a, <laughs> it was a Thursday night and I was able to kind of sneak away from work and drove all the way over to Wisconsin and got on the body of water and fished till like, I think it was like 11 or 1130. And it was like complete black. And I'm like trying to get my boat on the trailer at, at dark and this landing has no light. And, uh, he rolls up and he helped me with it. And then we got to talking and the next thing you know, it like organically stand, stemmed into this friendship. And, uh, we jive pretty well together in the boat. And, uh, I don't know, it's been a lot of fun kind of traveling around and, and fishing some of these battles with him. So, oh, that's awesome. Cause it's like, you know, you're pulling out at 11 PM and you're like, Oh, you're freaking nuts too. Yeah. Same. All right. Let's be friends. And <laughs> glad that that's worked out. Um, what are the odds? So how is, how has that been like so when you guys go and, and fish and you know a quote unquote like a musky battle would be i know i know it's not like hyper competitive but at the same time like you know it's there's stakes involved or whatever um how was that dynamic when you guys started fishing as like partners and you know more competitive setting because i know for gus and i like that was a totally new world and brian and i did that this year together and it's way different when you're out there just shooting the shit, maybe doing a little filming, you know, I guess how, how, how did that go and how has it been kind of going? Well, it's, it's interesting. Not a lot changed to be honest with you. Cause we're both like so laser focused. Like I, I think people who, who are as diehard as all of us are for muskies are just like sick in the head and like, sure. You have like a one track mind. Like I have to remind myself when I go up to Eagle with my wife and my other buddy that, like they don't take this as seriously as I do. And uh, I have to like tone it down a little bit at times, but like for Tyler and I, it was, it was very natural. We had talked about doing maybe some local tournaments here and there, um, which I think we'd have pretty good success in. But when we go up to Bemidji, like when I go up there to, to see everybody at the battle, like that's the reason I'm there is for the camaraderie and all the people and like folks you talk through, talk to throughout the year that, you maybe only get to see once a year at the battle. Like that's what I'm up there for. Like I know I'm at an inherent disadvantage when I go up there because I spent all my time in Wisconsin sure. and they all spend, <laughs> not all of them, but the majority of them, you know, fish those lakes locally and have the pattern dialed down pretty good and whatnot. So it's like, I never take it too seriously. And it's about kind of building those relationships and those friendships, which is like, it's, it's the craziest thing about the muskie industry. Like I, I've never been a part of anything else in my entire life where like, you could be two completely different people with completely different opinions about just about everything. But because you like muskies, like you're just like friends, <laughs> like naturally it's, it's really, yeah. really kind of strange how everybody just like gravitates to one another. And um, it's, it's honestly special. Like, I don't, I don't think there's too many other things like that, to be honest with you. I, I think it comes from the struggle of it. You're like, Holy shit. You can relate to me being out there for 12 hours without seeing anything that I'm after. <laughs> start yeah. talking about how much of a nut job each other are and boom you're off to the races yeah there's so something to that for sure <laughs> so so what was it like going up to to do the one in wisconsin this year i know you guys went up and fished i think butternut lake or maybe some surrounding lakes as well but what, what was it like you know having some of the guys come over to wisconsin and and do it uh up, up north uh it was it was a lot of fun um I, I had kind of had this vision that, and I, I think Jeff Contreras, he used to, he used to put on and kind of lead the musky battle. And now he's kind of stepping away from the social media side of things. Um, and he's actually winding down his YouTube channel, but 
he always kind of wanted to bring it back to Wisconsin. And he and I kind of got to talking in a sidebar conversation one day and we, we kind of said like, we should do this. We should bring this back. And it was, it was cool to see the interest from folks that wanted to come over from Minnesota and fish it. And it was just a really good event. Like I remember watching muskie battle videos long before I ever even thought about doing YouTube and stuff. And it was always intriguing to me, like the documenting the camaraderie side of it, like the, the competitive yet social side of it. And it's not super serious and all of that. And I, I just kind of longed for one video that like had it all, like everybody's catches, like tournament updates, all of that stuff. And in hindsight, I wish I would have done more on the filming side in regard to like the after hours stuff, like the dinners and like some B-roll and stuff of like folks just engaging with one another at, at the resort and, um, I, I would say it went really well. Uh, Butternut Lake Lodge was absolutely fantastic. It was a great place to stay. Uh, the fishing was good for some. It was it was tough because it was, if you guys recall, like things cooled down kind of early in the fall and then it like just hung on and turnover yeah. seemed to just take forever this year and the fish were super scattered and we, Tyler and I just struggled because we we had some intel on a on a body of water that would maybe hold fish that were pushing that four foot mark. And our whole thought was, well, if we got live bait down, we're throwing big baits, like let's swing for the fences. And it didn't work out in our favor, but there was other teams that picked action water, which is kind of the beauty and of the competitive side of fishing in Wisconsin is you have both those options at your disposal. Like you can swing for the fences on a big fish and try to win it in points that way, or you can go try and put 10, 30 inches in the boat and rack up points that way. Um, so there was, there were some teams that definitely had some success as you can see, if you watch the video back, but, uh, I thought it went really well. Um, I, like I said, I, if I could do it again, I probably would have captured more of that B-roll footage, the camaraderie side of it and really tied the video together nicely. But, you know, there's always next year, hopefully. Yeah. So do you feel like if the, the musky battle grows in Wisconsin, like, I guess, how do you. I mean, if, if people, is, is there, yeah, I guess, a future where maybe more people start to get involved or, you know, more invites start to get sent out, you know, what do you guys think like the formatting would change at all? Or are there areas you guys are looking at going to, because there's so many, you know, pretty cool systems in Wisconsin, you know, whether you, you go to some remote, more remote flowages that are larger. Uh, there's a lot of different areas that have chain of lakes um, up in like Vilas and Oneida County you guys like thought about that at all for the next destination or anything like that yeah so we were a little bit in limbo with it and it's it's one of those things where I, I need to have a conversation with Jeff Contreras about if he's fine with some of us stepping up and kind of keeping it going on the Wisconsin side now I obviously want to talk to Alex McLean as well since he's running the Minnesota side and I, I don't want there to be like any conflict of interest there or anything like that I just want to get more people involved in something like this, which is so healthy for the sport to just build friendships. And, you know, we have the right people coming to these things that um, are in the right frame of mind. And it's not about me. It's about the event and the fish and showcasing all of that. Right. And, but what I, what, sure. I, what I'd like to do with it at some point, if we can land on a plan for maybe keeping the Wisconsin battle going is I'd like it to be in a, at a lodge. And this is, the dynamic of it that's challenging is you have to partner with the lodge in order to kind of make this palatable for everybody. Right. 
to be able to drive six hours and dedicate time to doing this. And so it'd be nice to find a lodge where we could be on the water. So everybody's boats are in the water and you don't have to trailer and load and unload and all those things. And it's on a big system, like a really big system where you can go out and figure it out and everybody's kind of fishing the same body of water and it maybe uh, kind of puts a tighter set of parameters around the tournament in terms of action versus trophy water and things of that nature. So that's, that's kind of what I envision. Um, admittedly, we haven't taken any steps forward with it yet, but I noticed that like the weekend before Halloween this year is, uh, would be a pretty dang good weekend to go drag suckers. It should be post turnover. Uh, the fish should be chewing, fall feed bags on all that. So, uh, I think that would probably be the target date if we were to do something this year. For sure. I mean, we do like our little musky bender weekends and I know some of the, <laughs> the guys that come over for that definitely would be down for something like a musky battle. And obviously, you know, you guys got away, um, you know, just, you can't oversaturate it with too many people, but at the same time, like, you know, you're talking about getting all these like-minded guys and gals together. It, it kind of makes for a pretty fun dynamic. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you um, hit up Gus, I'm sure he's probably pretty plugged in with there with lodges and whatnot. There's a lot of, a lot of pretty cool opportunities. Cause I think being able to highlight and showcase Northern Wisconsin, you know, that's a goal of this podcast because we love it so much, I think is an awesome thing. Like when you guys went up to Northern Wisconsin for that musky battle, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Because, <laughs> you know, it's near and dear to our art. And yeah, I just feel like there's so many cool systems up there where you could put some people on a body of water and, you know, have have some fun, film it, and just kind of highlight all the great aspects of it for sure. I'm thinking yeah. if you're talking weekend before Halloween, you get a big group on the chip off foliage, mm, bound to have a big <laughs> feedback show up juicy yeah <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet <laughs> yeah that that would be a good <clears throat> that'd be a good kind of middle ground for like the folks coming from minnesota and all of that and like we would absolutely want the muskies on tap boys to be a part of it um if we end up putting it on again this year and um if you Ooh. guys are interested in something like that Ooh. but like i i look at the chippewa flowage i look at some of the stuff over by you guys in vilas i mean the one that just seems like the pinnacle to me would be like the like if we could get on the and spend three hundred days, like that'd be enough for me to say I'm taking the whole week off so I can pre-fish this thing and, and really gut it out ahead of tournament hours and all that. And like the one thing I'd like to do, it didn't work out this year, but I'd like to do for next year. Uh, my wife's kind of a big bow hunter. So depending on if she's in the tree or not, like I really wanted her to come out and do a lot of the filming of all the individual teams, do introductions, like where they're from, stuff like that. And, just didn't work out where I was kind of a one man band filming a lot of this stuff. But if she's able to come next year, like I think from a cinematography perspective, like we could put out something that's really elite and really cool. and would like really kind of bring to light, like who all these people are and why they love this sport and why what we're doing is a good thing to help further that sport and hopefully get more people involved in it. And uh, kind of continuing just what we have. That's just so special about the musky industry. And um it, it, and like, it's funny too, cause like, you know, I'd never heard of you guys till you had your podcast, but it seems like there's more and more people that are kind of like putting themselves out there and they, none of us like claim to be experts, although you guys found some success in the PMTT last year and Gus is a guide and all that. But like, it's like, there's like a group of like up and coming people that 
you know, aren't the household names in the musky industry. And like, everybody's just got a really good rapport with one another and there's not any bad blood. And it's, it just makes it a ton of fun when you can be on, you know, social medias and somebody gets a fish and you tell them congrats or, you know, they reach out asking about your area and you can give them some advice or whatever the case may be. It's just like furthering the good of the sport, I think is what we want to do. And if we can showcase that they're really sweet film, a really cinematic film next year, like that would be the ultimate goal for me to put something like that together. <laughs> that would be sweet. You got my creative juices flowing now. I'm thinking, you know, maybe yeah. some back end music for each team. And now we got Kyle Fridges from Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Then you get to pick the theme song. You're back in the boat. In. Slow mo walk to your boat. <laughs> Slow mo walk to the boat. Yeah. This could be a damn movie. This would be sweet. Well, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's younger generation of uh, musky anglers, like all those guys that are household names had to start somewhere too. And, yep. you know, it's, it's fun kind of being a part of, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a younger movement in the musky community. And it seems to be in a good spot right now. So um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I, I, I don't mean any harm to like when I bring up household names or anything. Like that. And a lot of those folks have been very inclusive of me too. Like the Glenn McDonald's mm-hmm. of the world and, and like folks like that, that have reached out and like taken me under their wing and all of that. It's, it just shows like how cool this community is and how inclusive it is and all that. And like, you know, to, to compound on like what I, what I envisioned for like the musky battle film is like, I, I wish somebody would do something like that for the PMTT. I know Mike Keys used to do some of that where he'd actually film like his boat and some of the other interactions and stuff like that. But I don't know if you guys watched the YouTube series tour level gold where Sam Moore and his media company kind of followed around the professional walleye tournament trail. And like they put out awesome, awesome storylines and like interviews of people and they had like a narrator and it was just like the most epic YouTube content you've ever seen. Like it was so well done and just kudos to those guys for putting it out. But like, it'd be sweet if we could take that to the musky world too and do that with the PMTT and these musky battles and, and other events, you know, there's a ton of really cool musky ink kind of chapter tournaments that don't get much pub other, other than in the musky ink newsletter. And, you know, you may see something on, um, one of the big musky tackle shops, you know, social media pages highlighting some of this stuff, but it's like the more of that pub that we can get out there that furthers the sport and, and just put shines a good, good light on it. Cause that's what it deserves at the end of the day, I, I think is just beneficial to the sport overall. So hopefully we've been able to do some of that with some of the battle films we put out and others before me have put out before that, but yeah, there's a lot of good that happens here and that's what we're trying to highlight. Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head for me with the the PMTT stuff. Like, I think there are some awesome storylines that, you know, maybe you could flush out on video a little bit more. I mean, for example, like, you know, this year, you know, you have Ty and Tate Senate, two brothers, home water on the Chippewa flowage, leading by, you know, a mere few inches headed into the last day. And I mean, it's awesome when you're there and you like feel the vibe when you're there and it, it's, it feels like momentous, but there's really not much after the fact, right? Like it's kind of said and done and then you move on and there's nothing that's really capturing it um, outside of just kind of the standard few interviews. And I agree with you hundred percent. Like if you could get away where you're talking about this, these walleye videos, I'll have to check it out. Um, but you know, that only lends itself to more people watching it being like, damn, this is really cool. 
maybe I should sign up next year and do the trail. You know, you get more teams in there. They start going to different places. The next thing you know, there's just more boats, more money involved. It's it's bigger. It's, it's you know, whatever. And not necessarily just because it's bigger, it, it's better, but it would be kind of cool to expand the musky tournament scene a little bit, I think. And, I mean, you see, like, the bass scene and the walleye scene. These guys are – I mean, it's it's the real deal. And I think muskie is just a little bit behind it. So, I think eventually it could get there, but I think it only gets there through the things that you're talking about with, you know, pushing it through media and, and, and building those storylines and actually telling a narrative. Um, I think you nailed the, the nail on the head. And that's what could be really cool about these musky battle videos is like, I think the, the battle itself is so cool because of the video afterwards, like people get to watch it and be like, man, mm -hmm. I want to be part of that. You know, if you guys were just talk about it and there's no video after I'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, that sounds fun. Let me know, you know, next time you guys are doing it. But after watching the video, I'm like, I want to be a part of that. Like that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so that's just my two cents on it all, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you if it wasn't for some of those earlier battle videos. Like if all I had seen were Instagram posts of big fish being caught at it, I probably wouldn't have reached out to Alex and been like, Hey, if you guys have a spot, I'd, I'd love to come up there and, and meet everybody and get to know people. And I, I certainly wouldn't have the relationships I have in the industry today, which continue to grow and evolve and all of that. But it's, it's that video piece that kind of puts the bow on all the good that happened at the tournament or outing or whatever that then gets to live on right for forever you get to look back on that like how cool is it going to be like you know if somebody was following you guys around at the pmtt last year like how cool would it be in 20 years to have all that documented and be able to look back on it like i mean some of those conversations would have been fucking hilarious you know like how nervous we were going into the Chippewa flowage kind of knowing what was at stake. And like, even after we caught that fish at Vermilion, I remember instantly, like we started talking, we're like, Holy shit, this just got real. Like we never really even let ourselves think about, you know, taking home any season long hardware up until that fish at Vermilion. And then like, yeah, it would have been a really cool storyline to document. And I think we tried our best to get it on film, but not anywhere near where I think it could have been, you know, and, Obviously, we didn't have any anticipation that the year was going to go how it did. So, yeah, how would we obviously know? hindsight's 2020, <laughs> but you know, it uh, hopefully we can, you know, we're going to step up our game. I know Gus just got a new camera that he had told you about. And yep. I think uh, our head, we just got some head mounts, uh, GoPro head mounts and stuff like that. So, I think all those factors will kind of help us maybe finally start piecing some videos together and i'm sure we'll be asking you for a ton of advice so it, it, it's kind of a good segue into some of your filming stuff you know what for you when you're when you're putting a video together uh what's a typical setup in 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 kyle's boat you know what what are you running how many cameras you're running what are you doing to kind of capture the storyline it Depends on how lazy I am because the worst sure. part about filming is the setup of all the cameras. It's the yeah. absolute worst part. Like, especially when you, you know, you drive two and a half hours to a lake and like, you just want to get out there and fish. Like it's the, it's the, it's the worst part. It's just getting all the cameras up and then the GoPro doesn't want to work and you got to restart it and you got to unplug it and plug it back in. Um, generally speaking, what I try to do, well, it kind of depends because I, when I'm in somebody else's boat, a lot of times it's, okay, I would like them to run a head cam and me to run a head cam. And then we may have a stationary camera someplace. 
ideally you'd have some cameras looking down at the water it gets to be a little challenging but in my boat as you'll see in some of the eagle lake content that's coming out i actually have a tower cam that extends off the transom and it's great for solo fishing it captures like kind of the whole boat if you will and some of the figure eight and both sides stuff that happens um so i have one of those up i run a head cam and i usually like to have if i have two people on the front of the boat i usually like to have one of them running a head cam and the reason for that is the audio so that i can overlay the footage and have their voices be clear and my voices be clear because audio is the most important piece of all this it's the piece that i for the life of me can't figure out i have so many issues with audio i've tried everything i've tried like the the mics that plug into your camera and then you wear them on like your collar and um they only last like seven hours before they're dead and it's a pain in the ass and i've just found it's better to just run two gopros on each person and then i can overlay it and it doesn't always line up perfectly but it's usually close enough so then I'd have the tower cam, the head cams, and usually what I try to do is have like some gunnel cams, kind of like the Brian Scaife vantage point on the gunnel for the fish head shakes next to the boat and stuff like that. Uh, you can capture some of that. Admittedly, on our Eagle Lake trip, it's it's funny. I just watched Brian's last video uh, the other day, and he talks about how he just went through like three or four days of like nothing, and that lake can do that to you. And and that's what it was for us the first two days of the trip. So I would go through the exercise of like setting up all the cameras in the boat every morning. And on the third day, I'm like, I'm not going to do it today. Like we're just going <laughs> to run the tower and the head cam and that's going to be good enough. And of course, that's the day when we catch a bunch of fish. <laughs> yeah. I didn't run them, but like you just have to be diligent about setting it up and, and trying to capture those shots. And then um, I, I usually keep a spare GoPro that I'll put in. It's like an orb deal to get underwater shots of the fish. Um, I don't do it on all the fish. I should do it on all the fish just because it creates kind of cool artistic looking photos when you pull stills from it and stuff, which are just different than the traditional grip and grins you see all over the internet um, that everybody posts. And then get a good quality camera. Like I know Gus, you and I exchange some messages, but get a good quality camera um, to get kind of close-ups on the fish. And like my recommendation to people is run it on the video mode in at least 60 frames per second the higher the frame rate the more you can slow it down at least 60 frames per second and then you can pull stills from that so the beauty of that is you're not just snapping individual stills where you may or may not have a good picture like you just keep rolling the footage right and then you slow it down in your editing software and pull stills from it and that way the focus is on the handling of the fish it's not oh shit we took 100 photos and i just went through them for 15 seconds while you're holding this fish and the none of them are good so we got to do it all over again and then i got to look at them again before we put this fish back in the water and now it's in the net and now it's not and like my goal the goal should always be and the priority should always be the handling of the fish so like what i like to do is lay everything out pull the fish out of the bag bump it hold it up and just run that footage just run it the whole way through and then the goal one of the goals for me this year is remember to smile at the camera because normally I'm just like going through a talking sequence and I'm like, all right, let's throw her back. You know, so, so I never actually take a second to like smile at the camera, which is why all my pictures is just like random facial expressions from me while I'm holding these fish. But, um, but if you do it that way, then, then you can get that fish back in the water quickly, especially if water temps are hot um, and you're kind of in that summer peak. But and And you'll just have so many more stills to pull from if you do it that way. And um it's worked good for me i think 
make sure you're Gus, when you're using that camera, make sure you're tapping the screen for to get your autofocus where you want it to be, especially if your aperture's really low because it'll blur the background and it may blur the subject behind the fish or blur the fish and not the subject. It's one of the things I had to yeah. learn this year a little bit when I got into the bigger cameras, but that's kind of the the general setup overall. There's a lot that goes into it for sure. So oh, yeah. editing-wise, I mean, like your musky battle video, how long was that process? It had to be quite lengthy. So that's a great question, Brian. Um, generally, when it's just my footage and my buddies that's in the boat with me, I can do it pretty quickly, especially if like I know I captured all the good shots and I'm running the camera, like especially the big camera for B-roll or I'm running the drone and I know it's not going to be shaky and stuff. When you're corralling a group of people's GoPro footage and they just dump uh. it in a folder with like no labeling <laughs> and stuff, it took me forever <laughs> to put that video together forever and then it's like there's some stuff like as you guys know like i try to keep like who i am in front of you guys and who i am on camera is who i am in real life and i i try to like keep that humanizing side of it like very real but you know you have weird conversations in the boat we all have weird <laughs> conversations in the boat that should probably never like see the light of day right so like oh, yeah when you're watching other people's footage, it's like, I don't know if they're going to want that to be said. So then I'm like slicing and dicing audio and kind of like edit some of that out and whatnot. But yeah, I, I'd probably, like, if it's yeah. my video, I can probably do it a really good thorough edit, like really, really good thorough editing job in probably six to eight hours, depending on how much footage there is, the length of the video. Um, if, like I just said right there, um, if I have to edit out all the ums that get said, like that takes time too and, and stuff like that. Uh, if somebody else is running the cameras and it's shaky and I and I didn't actually see how the camera was moved, then I have to watch it through and kind of figure out like what's the good piece of this B-roll or clip or whatever that we actually want to use and it can take a little bit longer. I'll just say if, if we do take part in uh, the musky battle, you're, you're going to learn to hate us, I think, if we send you any footage, because usually all of our catches are after just ridiculous combos. <laughs> Outrageous. Like, But sometimes Brian, you, Brian, sometimes you, you touch capture any gold. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. So, sometimes yeah, you, sometimes you capture gold, though. Like, oh, like, yeah. In the musky battle video, when Tyler and I were arguing over – whether it was a dumb idea to throw top water like the third yeah. weekend in October. Dude, I, I said, no, it's not because all the fish are shallow. That's the only fish we've seen are shallow. And he thought it was a horrible idea. And I literally had that fish wake like three casts later on the bait. And <laughs> it's like gold like that. That's just priceless that you have. That on was camera hilarious. <laughs> that, that's like, hey, we've... Um, <laughs> since I did just rewatch that one, I got a funny, I don't want to like spoil it for some people if they haven't seen that video, but the funniest line in there was, uh, I think Tyler said something like he said the word opportunistic and you're like, what you learn that word in prison? <laughs> it's an inside joke. Yeah. He said opportunist instead of opportunistic. Oh. <laughs> so I, I always give him a hard time. That's too yeah. Funny. We, We've definitely fallen victim to that. I know early on we really struggled with that, especially when we started filming and then we would come home and whether we'd show buddies or our parents and be like, wait, why is the video on mute up until you guys catch the fish? And <laughs> it's like, well, it's because we were, you know. Maybe, maybe one day we'll share. Yeah. But <laughs> I know there was a, 
There was a uh, spinoff of a musky podcast that uh, was also. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> we, oh, when, we were, when we were, when we were, I don't, I don't know. It was like the time when that one podcast caller daddy or whatever was like super big, and we were like, "What if they made a caller daddy type podcast for musky fishing?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That shit was funny. We started saying some pretty absurd stuff, and uh, yeah, the next thing you know, Brian's hooked up, and we're like, well, we can't use any of this footage, because... <laughs> Just clip it to the hook set. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian's hooked up! <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, They're we had one, too, they, I think. They're listening. If we, ta- if we touched on one time last year when Brian said uh, something, and then our buddy goes, fish incoming in three two and then all of a sudden boom he hooks up and catches up <laughs> yeah we had a pattern so? for a little while the more outrageous things we said while the cameras were rolling better chance we'd have of a hook up and that one was timed <laughs> i can relate very funny <laughs> um, yeah. one thing i want to go back to that you said that i think is like really important when you're talking about your setup and and how you're filming a video and and what you're doing is that when you're doing the grip and grin and doing the uh, the main camera stuff, taking the fish out of the water, <laughs> it's really cool of you to say, you know, putting the fish priority first, where you just have like that fast, fr- uh, you know, frames per second of showing the fish off, where you, you measure it, you just show it off with the video, you maybe do like a little close up where you kind of go in a little bit and then you show the release, there's no cut you know, to like stop the filming and then do pictures. Maybe if there's three people in the boat, I guess you could have, you know, one person filming and while that person's filming, somebody could take a picture, but say if there's two, you know, that idea of just like taking a still from the video is like the best thing. I think that's super important. And that's definitely, that's really good advice. That's one other thing I wanted to say, because, you know, for me trying to go into this uh, video side of things, that's, that's good for me to know for sure. Yeah, I, I think it just gets back to prioritizing the health of the fish, right? Like experienced musky anglers understand this. It's just there's so few of them, and oftentimes they're stocked, which costs money. And if stocking programs go bad or we kill off too many of these fish, like they're not going to be there for us to go out and catch, which isn't good for the sport, right? So um, I try to be, like I said, very real about like how I do it. Like what you see is what's taking place in the boat. And prioritizing some of those fish handling practices is, is just what's most important to me. And, you know, like to that end, like when I talked earlier about how I wanted to be more educational with all of this, it's like, hopefully somebody who's new to the sport can see how quickly that all goes, like bump the fish quick. If I even bump it, show it to the camera quick, get it right back in the water and just understand kind of the importance behind safe handling practices and all of that. And like one of the videos I'd want to do this year is how to handle a muskie, like one-on-one. And you can see some of that, like in my, uh, one of my more recent videos, it's called creating a muskie addict where I took my buddy who moved out to Utah. I took him out and I, I kind of walked the viewer through, like, this is how we're going to do this. He's brand new. He's never held a muskie before. I will pull it out. I will bump it. He'll come in slide his hand in the gill plate. We'll show it off to the camera quick and we're going to get right back and, and send the fish on its way. And I think there's, there's little tidbits like that you can take away from my videos as well as many other people's videos. But yeah, it's, it's not about 
like social media status or like taking pictures of these fish. It's, it's like the priority is the health of the fish and everybody wants to hold their fish because you work so damn hard for these things. Like you want that moment. Like I, I tried to remind Jaime of that when we we're up on Lake of the woods, my buddy Jaime, who went up there with me, it's like, as soon as the fish was biting, it was like, we got to go, we got to get on the next one. Cause they're going. And it's like, well, let's take two seconds and cherish it, but not so much that we're abusing the fish, but, poor handling practices either let's enjoy the moment for a second here before we're on to the next one and um prioritize the safety of the fish for sure i i think that's really good just because you know not everyone that you know obviously as your youtube channel continues to grow not everyone that is watching these videos is a seasoned muskie angler so i think that's awesome that you're going to be kind of showing some of those educational pieces from a filming standpoint is there is there a shot, you know, in 2024 that you're going to be hoping, you know, that you can get that didn't happen in 2023, whether it's, you know, getting a sick boat side strike on the gunnel cam or some crazy thing? Like, is there, is there a shot that you dream of as like a YouTube kind of film creative? Um, you know, is there something that you're just like, man, that would be so cool to get on on film that you haven't really been able to capture yet? Um, That's a good question. I there's certain camera angles and things I want to play around with this year. I think part of the challenge too is like oftentimes when I'm out, I'm either solo, which limits like what you can do in terms of cameras and all of that in the boat. Or I, I generally have somebody who's like less experienced with me. So like my mm -hmm. mind is always like, okay, I need to, get on fish we have to catch a fish before we can even do anything with the footage right so like that's priority number one and oftentimes like i said like on our eagle trip like camera setup went aside because i have to do all that so it there, there's certain certain shots i want to get for sure and it's it's much easier when you have three people in the boat and like i look forward to my eagle trip this next year where i'll have my buddy and my wife in the boat again because you can just do so much with three people in the boat but a lot of it, a lot of it's circum like circumstantial in that, like, like some of Ben Stone's footage is like <laughs> the most elite of the elite stuff. Like his Malax fish it's crazy. This year that was literally crazy. on fire at the boat. Like, like yeah. that has to happen to you for you to catch it. So like some of that stuff like just right. has to play out naturally um, in kind of the heat of the moment, but you have to have the camera set up to do that. And, and if Ben would have been wearing a chest camera, that footage would not be anywhere near as impactful and powerful as it was. And it's because right. he wore his head and that's like, so you, you kind of refine that through your setup as I'm sure you guys will too. Um, when I first started out, I kind of had a, a pole right in the middle behind my, behind my, my steering wheel. And I had two GoPros, one facing front, one facing back. And it, since I went to the transom mount tower, I actually like the Vantage a lot better because it captures the full action in the boat. And, uh, you just, you refine it, you play with it. I don't know. I, there's probably less I want to do in terms of like the shot per se. And there's more I want to do in terms of like highlighting some of the like underlying adventures that exist in the musky world that some people know about, or maybe people don't think they're cool because nobody's ever like put out a sweet video on it or stuff like that. So I have some of that up my sleeve this year. Um, that I don't, cool. I don't want to speak too much about yet because I think it'll be pretty cool when, it, when I am able to do it, hopefully. So I, I'd say it's more about like the adventure side of it and capturing some of that. 
I've seen yeah. you have some sweet drone shots in most of your videos. Have you, and I might have missed it, but have, do you like try to get the fight of a fish on a drone shot or have you experimented with that at all? Ryan, I am not good enough at catching these fish to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> We've chatted about that. I mean, We're like, just leave that thing up in the air for like five minutes. <laughs> there's there's no amount of battery life on a drone. Yeah. <laughs> but I like where your head's well, at. <laughs> I, I asked the question originally because like there was just a few things that finally happened this year for us where I was like, I just was rewatching these videos countless amounts of times. Like I, I remember, you know, when it really clicked for me where it's like, we need to get a head cam was we, we went out uh, one day with our buddy Clayton and he was wearing his head cam and he had this just awesome Medusa eat like 10 feet out from the boat. And you could literally see like the jaws of life just like open up underneath this rubber bait, like during the pause. And, you know, then the fight ensues and the, the, fish comes around it's like this beautiful like fairly sizable tiger muskie and it shoots up next to the boat starts head shaking and like the freaking tails of the medusa like when you slowed it down are like outside the muskie's mouth like going back and forth and i'm like okay cool. we need to get some head cams because this shit is awesome and like <laughs> you're just not going to see that on other angles and so that's kind of what sparked the question of like, you know, like you're talking about the Ben Stone thing, like just crazy shot, right? Like once in a lifetime seeing a, I don't know how big that fish was, but I think it was, I mean, I'm assuming, I think it was pushing 50 or whatever it was, but just seeing a fish of that size come in that hot on the figure eight and, you know, just smoke them both sides. It's like, okay, this is pretty cool stuff. And, and I think that truly captivates why we do what we do and spend all these hours is like, you know, if you everyone ever asks you, like, dude, why do you do that so much? It's like, here, here's a video yeah. of why this is fun for us. And, you know, maybe people will understand it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to that end, like, you have to set up your cameras to be able to capture some of that stuff, like, successfully, right? And, like, one of the videos I want to do this year is going to be, like, how I set up each one of these GoPros and why I set it up with also, like, a fish catch to highlight the reasons why and all of that. And like the very first fish I ever got on footage, I had literally like just purchased all of these GoPros, got it rigged up in the boat or whatever. And I was up at my parents' lake place and I was fishing. It was early June and I was fishing a shallow tube over like a mid lake hump that had just a ton of bait on it. And like, it just looked so good. And I like kind of uprift this tube and this fish comes up and just, just pile drives it like 15, 20 feet out from the boat. And because I had my gunnel cam up set up with 120 frames per second, this fish, I had to like, I had the net completely out of position, which was the first mistake, but I, I like pull the fish past it and the fish like starts head shaking underwater and then it flips and it kicks its tail out and the tail slaps the water and the water comes up and hits the lens and I could slow it all down right next to the boat. And it's like the sickest shot ever that I'll never be able to like, um, I'll never be able to replicate <laughs> no matter how long I try. And like the water's just like perfectly calm and clear. And you can see the fish just like head shake after it, it like slaps the water at the camera and stuff. And I was filming in 1080 versus 4k. So like, it looks okay when you bring it to 4k, but it doesn't look great, especially if you're like watching the videos on a TV and stuff. So like, that's the other piece of advice I'd give you Gus is like, 
make sure you're filming in 4K. Yes, it takes up more file size, all of that, but you can zoom in. And especially on your big camera, like I can zoom in on my pictures and the detail, like you can see every little scale on that fish, every little like imperfection, like it's just incredible. So if you ever do get a really epic like picture, you can blow it up and like hang it up in your yeah. house or something like that. And you'll have all that detail. Oh, nice. That's good to know. I might have to switch the GoPros to 4, 4K. I can't remember what FPS I shoot at. Does I think I have 10s. Do you know if they shoot in like 120 FPS on 4K? That might be um, a limited factor. If it, I don't it recall, do they're like all a little 16. bit different. And then yeah. some of them won't allow you to... I, I want to say the 10s only do 30 and 4K on looping, which you're probably running looping if you're running yep. your GoPros in the yep. boat. So I think you'd have to go down to 1080 to get to 120 on those. But some of the newer ones might, you might be able to do that. It's funny when you go to GoPro's website, they don't list like the frame rates that are available options for each model under the looping feature. It's just under their standard videography feature, which none of us are going to use because we'd have, we'd have 12 hours of nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need to buy giant SD cards or multiple SD cards. You know, that's not the point of what we're, and we're running, you know, external batteries pretty much on everything because gopro batteries flat out suck (laughs) like a lot yeah that's the that's the biggest piece of advice is hardwire all of your gopros to run off external power so like in my boat my boat's an older boat so like i have no problem like hacking into it and like running new wiring and stuff and i ran usb plugs in like strategic spots where i could then just run a cord up to the gopro and that way they're just always powered always on you're not messing with batteries um, the only one that I have to mess with batteries on is the one I put in the orb for underwater shots. I have to mess around batteries on that one a little bit, which isn't a big deal because you're using it like once, maybe three times a day max. Mm-hmm. And then the head cam, the external battery packs only last so long. So you got to remember to swap those out partway through the day or whenever it dies. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't want, I mean, it's like a, a balance of you don't want a giant pack in your pocket. It'll run all day, but you'd rather have a little smaller one. It'll yeah. go eight, nine hours. You got to switch out once or something like that. Um, I got another question for your uh, tower cam. Have you run a Yolo tech and what do you use uh, right now or this last year? So I, I don't run a Yolo tech, although I wouldn't be opposed to doing it, especially on the bow of the boat um to kind of capture the front two anglers and any chaos that happens in kind of like a just a different perspective like if you can break up your footage in your video like the key like i I, i've heard mike key say it before too like the key in videography and like putting out footage is to always have like a break like something to like not lull people to sleep when they're watching your video because if it's just like me talking to the screen for two and a half minutes doing an intro like it's easy for folks to get distracted, maybe not want to watch it. And even myself, when I go back and watch some of my older stuff where like I didn't break it up, um, it it gets a little long to sit there and like listen to me talk about what's going on. So if you can if you can add those different advantages and like kind of split up the action and the camera perspective, it kind of re-engages the viewer's eye to to essentially stay engaged in your videos. But I don't run a yellow tech, I would consider one on the bow. Um my, my my camera pole is actually, I think it's a down east transom rod holder that I drilled a hole through. And then I have like a, like a quick latch that goes through it. And then what I did is I went to Menards and I bought a painter's pole, like an extendable painter's pole. 
-hmm. And I just mounted a GoPro mount to the top of that. And I drilled a hole through that too. So then I can set it in the rod holder and latch it with like my quick clip. And then I have a ram mount that goes over to my gunnel and kind of locks it tight. It makes like a triangle on it and holds it very stationary. And uh, then what I do is I just, when I get to the spot, I'm going to fish. The first thing I do is I run back there and I extend the pole all the way up and lock it in place. And then it captures all the footage. And then when I go to fire up the boat, I just bring it down as low as I can. So it's not shaking as I'm flying across the lake. And I haven't had any issues with that yet. It's a little, little janky, little makeshift, but there isn't a good option. If you want to get that perspective, really, you kind of have to make it. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. And I think I got to look into that or something. I got a Yolo tech out the back and, when I originally did it, I just ran one GoPro on, I always do wide to kind of, you know, give the view of me fishing in the back and then who at max or whoever's up front in the front, but that eliminates the whole one side of the boat. It eliminates behind the motor. If I have like a figure eight that goes far. And then I did a janky like clip, one of those adjustable, like $25 clips you can get on Amazon that kind of like, are bendable i don't know the name of them exactly yeah. but they they have like the clamp like a yep. painter's clamp yep. or whatever yep. yeah those yeah. are very handy actually yeah yeah i got a i broke one actually that was in that story of the chippewa flowage fish uh max the second one but um i i ended up doing two off that yellow tech because there's two ports and where i had one more facing me and then more one facing the front and I did that to try to eliminate what I was going to touch on before when Max was talking about Clayton's tiger that he got, where he had that sick head cam footage. We're like, okay, we got to get head cams. You know, I had a chest cam. I wore it for a while, and then I stopped wearing it and just kind of only did, you know, the stern mount. But uh, that one we were running, I think, just one that day. And it hit. He was casting on the opposite side of the boat. So when it hit, you can't see anything, you know. So, like, I, I lost the perspective there. And if he had a chest cam, it probably would have been just nobody would have been able to see that cool footage. So, yeah, I think I think overall I got to look into getting the new vantage point because I was going to circle back to something you said, I think, like right away or one of the first things you, you talked about when you're talking about filming was, uh, you know, you don't want to give away spots and lakes and stuff like that. And that's something that I've always been like, you know, eh about you know, tippy toeing my way into filming here. I'm trying to like figure out what could be a good angle. That's why I like tilt the hat cams down. Cause you can still kind of cut the top of the screen, get rid of that yeah. shoreline, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And I want to have like a van. I want to find a, a, a way where you can still see like a hook set, you know, not just the head cam, but also not give away everything. I don't know if that's a GoPro lower and looking up, or if it's one of those that you've seen, I think like musky frenzy guy makes it where it's like way the hell up there, like looking right yeah. down. It's like a spaceship looking down on someone. It's like, yeah, I don't know if there's a happy medium. It, it, mine's similar to his, but his is probably a little taller, but I like it because it just gives a good advantage of like the back of the boat and where my figure eight would be almost the whole boat right past kind of the, the gunnel on the uh, starboard side. And then, it kind of extends out just a little bit in front of like where the person in the front would be. So you could see some of their both side action too, but I can basically cut out like all the background. So if I did get a cool footage that I want to piece into like a channel trailer or like a talking point or something like that, I could leverage that footage on 
some of the uh the local waters and stuff that maybe i don't want to give away where i'm at mm-hmm. be, be great to have an app that got created where you could just like put in uh random boathouses on the shoreline or something like that <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like the same there's boathouse. no way he was here there's a giant white boathouse in this footage <laughs> everything <laughs> else looks the same but I don't see any. I don't see any boathouse. So we'll just. Be, we'll take. We'll uh. We'll find like the most prominent boathouse on the Eagle River chain that everybody could recognize, and then just plant that in every lake we fish. <laughs> and then one day I'm gonna go out at that boathouse, say on Catfish Lake, and there's gonna be like ten guys casting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or just or just put it in every thumbnail in the background of every thumbnail pick for your YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, All right, that. Kyle, I want to transition into some real fishing content. Uh, what was your best or best story from the year? Uh, not necessarily your biggest fish, but anyone that's funnier was quite eventful. Um, do you guys name spots you catch muskies on? Like, do you create yeah. names for spots and stuff? Oh, yeah. Every, well, pretty much every spot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like places. trying to. I'm trying not to laugh right now, but my favorite, my favorite story from the whole year is day three Eagle Lake. Uh, I, I catch a real nice fish in the morning and uh, then we just had like flat calm bluebird the rest of the day or whatever. And my wife wasn't in the boat in the morning, but we went back and got her and then we went out and we fished some, we fished a lot of like new stuff in an area that I know relatively well on the lake and um we we fished this it's like a saddle between mainland well it's not even mainland technically it's a giant island a giant island and a smaller island but it's like it's like so wide that you would you would never guess there's like a saddle there that has like cabbage in it and stuff and uh everybody just flies right past it just flies right past it and uh we fished through it that morning. It was probably around noon, 11 in the morning to noon or something like that. And <clears throat> we raised a smaller fish off the cabbage bed. And what I like to do up there, because Eagle isn't mapped, is when, I, when I'm when i done fishing through a spot, I like to just extend the shoreline just a little bit further. Like, let's make sure there isn't something else that sticks out here when I'm auto charting. And in this case, there was. There's like a rock pile that stuck out right where everything starts to drop off to like a really good deep basin like 40 foot basin and uh i saw it on side imaging it showed up on auto chart or whatever and i said to them i said when we come back later uh, when we're working our way back towards camp to fish to to try and catch the fish we raised off the cabbage bed like we're going to extend it past this and we're going to cast right past this rock pile so we i think we raised like 13 fish or something like that the rest of the day and it was just like bluebird conditions on eagle is just tough just super tough. The water's super clear. The fish are super smart. And we come back to fish that, that, that fish we raised off the cabbage bed. And, and like, at this point, like my wife hasn't seen a muskie in the boat cause she wasn't there earlier in the day. And like, I can tell, like, she's like, he's making me cast, he's making me cast. And I'm like, when, when we're up there, I'm like, you guys gotta be casting. You gotta be casting. It's we're probably 40 minutes from, from sundown at this point. And we go back through and we raise that fish off the cabbage again. And she's really lazy and, you know, probably in upper thirties. And she's just not, she's not going to commit. I know that. And I, I said to them, I'm like, well, let's, let's just fish past that, that subtle little rock pile we found. And uh, we'll, uh, 
move on to the next spot, headed back to camp or whatever. And right after we raised that fish, I asked my wife because <laughs> I could tell she was getting a little frustrated. I was like, if I was your guide, what would you rate me? <laughs> and she goes, uh, well, we've seen some fish today, but I haven't caught one. And we're on day three and I haven't caught one. And she goes, probably two and a half stars. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, we got something to prove here. So we just get to that rock pile and I, I hook into a fish and I'm like, this has got to be it. Well, what ended up happening is I was running a suic, I think at the time, if I remember, I'd have to go back and watch the footage again. But um, I ended up hooking this pike kind of funny where it, it got hooked in the mouth and like through its eyes and like across its back. And I was like pulling it in sideways and it was kicking. So it like felt like head shakes and a bigger fish. Well, anyway, she like makes a cast as I'm like trying to get the suic off this fish. And my buddy's like got the net behind me because we thought we had a better fish on. She casts a, a fat bastard up there, like right on top of that rock pile. And all of a sudden I just hear, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I got one. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So I like throw the pike back in the water and I grab the net and I run up there and she boats it. And it was like, it was just a touch under 47. And it was first muskie she's ever caught on Eagle Lake or whatever. And uh, we're just like elated at this point. Like we're done. We're not going to be able to top this moment right here. Like we're going back in and we're going to have a beer to celebrate or whatever. And uh, right as I'm firing up the boat, I'm like, what would you, what would you rate me now? And she's like, well, I'd probably bump it up a little bit at this point. So we, uh, we actually ended up naming that spot, which is why I asked you guys a question. We ended up naming that spot two and a half stars because that was her, <laughs> yeah. rating for me right before she stuck that one. And it was just a perfect, thick Eagle Lake tank, like everything you go up there for all in that moment. That's thick. Two and a half That's star awesome. spot. You got any other any other funny spot names? I know we got a few that come to mind. I mean, we got a few on the Eagle River chain that really like if we could name them all, and I don't think even people that grew up on that body of water would they'd be like, I don't know what that means. Nobody knows but, stupid boathouse. No one knows stupid <laughs> boathouse spot. No um, one knows the paint painter's flat because some guy that paints houses told us there's walleye there, and then we found out it's actually a great musky spot. So we just name it the old painter's flat <laughs> yep that's a solid one um i don't know that i have anything that's well i we named the spot where i caught the fish earlier that morning poor audio because when we went and pulled the footage <laughs> afterwards i realized that my mic was like broken and it was just like pop 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 like you could hardly hear me and luckily i saved my gopro so i had audio but we didn't realize it was bad until after my wife's fish so i've been like trying to fix the audio on her fish because um it, it was just really poor audio quality but yeah we named that spot that morning poor audio because that was when it really started and it actually started before that on lake of the woods that it, it must have damaged the microphone or something and didn't realize it until after that trip but um we got a, we got a bunch of different spots like i i met an older gentleman up there his name's rod he uh he he showed me a reef up there that nobody ever fishes and there's always a four footer on it always 100 of the time and i i go back in my mind over and over again because we had this fish up to the boat like five or six times last year and i'm just like gosh what could i have done differently to get that fish to eat and i i've got some ideas on how to get baits where i need to with the right action to maybe get that fish to go and i'm pretty sure it's the same fish i raised on it the year before 
so there's rods reef and then there's another spot that's called traffic jam where there's just always like 15 muskies on it so I, I don't know anything, anything funny but yeah practical maybe a little witty i don't know i'm not yeah. the, i'm not a comedian by any stretch of the well they're also always just more either. funny to you because like you know it's an inside joke or whatever um shifting gears and you can touch on this for eagle lake too but you know musky baits or musky baits um when you've kind of started to to tackle this these wisconsin greenies what are some of the, your favorite you know baits that you like to throw or is there anything new that stood out this past year that maybe didn't shine for you the year prior that you kind of stumbled into anything like that i i threw a lot more top water this year than i have in the past which is probably just uh maybe a an issue on my end where i get locked into like what works and usually with wisconsin fish it's rubber like if you throw rubber you're gonna catch fish especially big rubber which is like the worst bite ever like as soon as july hits it's like okay i'm strapping on a mag dog or a husky deuce and i'm literally going to rip this as hard as i can and snap it as hard as i can all day for 12 hours and hope i get a bite um (laughs) i i I end up like gravitating towards rubber a lot on wisconsin fish but i threw a lot more top water especially from September to October. A little easier on the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was actually really nice. It was pleasant to fish. For <laughs> it's like, oh, it's it actually kind of relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. You can do this all day. And I saw you caught a bunch on the fat bastard. Was that like just A1, the best one, or did you have a couple others that you threw? It was mostly that. Yeah, mostly that. I, I have... Was it like, oh, sorry. I have an older one that just has like just the right sound. Like, yeah, that's what right I was gonna sound. ask. And I'm I'm like borderlining on like, do I retire it? But it just works everywhere. It works in Wisconsin, works nah, in Minnesota, I... works in Canada. That's what my wife caught her fish on. Was that? And then I think we had the next day after that. I think we had eleven blowouts on that bait on Eagle. I think it was eleven fish that just never got hooks. So I have no idea how that happens, but um brian's got to put the bottle of jergens away right now (laughs) (laughs) where was that at where was it (laughs) do you uh do you have a bomb squad flap tail i do i i haven't thrown it much i so i had one of the original um the big big one and it didn't have like all the nice harnessing and stuff on it so i like every cast was like readjusting everything and then i (laughs) I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, if you destroy it, I'll send you a new one. Cause the new harnessing is better. And he did. And, um, I just haven't thrown it much. Like I, I had intended on doing it on Eagle a little bit more and Eagle's not really known to be a flap tail lake, but I just wanted to try it. Cause the thing moves so much water and it's so noisy. Um, yeah, leave, leave the smaller leave the... One works good in Wisconsin. I haven't tried it though. Yeah. We leave the fat bastard in the truck this year, bring that flap tail and then hit me up. That thing is magical. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> we had a we had a streak. We yeah, we had a streak this summer, um, where whoever well, usually it was me, but whoever was throwing it out front <laughs> in front of the boat <laughs> always seemed to get the fish to move. It calls it how it is. <laughs> I knew Max would chime in if I didn't throw that in there. So he still is. Kinda... I love it. We got the most hilarious like three person boat dynamic because like fishing with three is just way different than fishing with two, you know. Like <laughs> you got those two guys at the top of the boat, and you know, Brian and I we get we rub elbows a little bit. 
Sometimes we get into a little fisticuffs. Sometimes throw the notes. Yeah, you guys drop really the gloves the a few times, and, too. I mean, it's like, it's crazy, dude. I'll literally be, you know, all right, Brian, all right, all right, all right. You got the front of the boat last night, this morning. You know, maybe maybe give me, you know, maybe give me a little shine here. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, all right, I'm not really feeling this bucktail. I'll go back to the tackle box. I'll throw some out. I'll look over my shoulder. Hey, Brian, what are you doing up at the front of the <laughs> Yeah. He slides over a few feet. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah every, every once in a while i just hear max go like hey hey if he's got the front of the boat and i look up and brian's standing like two inches from max I'm like, Dude, we've got all that room in the middle of the boat so it's become this hilarious just like turf war uh which always adds adds a lot of excitement over the course of a 10-hour day just something yeah. to keep uh keep us engaged it's funny we've you... done oh, go ahead I was going to say, it's funny when you fish from the back, nobody ever wants your spot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. I get that. That's all too. right with me. I'll back clean yeah. up back there. That's no problem. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank Gus too. has been great. Thank God he hasn't been in the fight for the front. You know, he wants to stay in the back. So that's where he's guiding. And mm-hmm. I don't know how it would go down if three of us were button heads for that, that point of the boat, but <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you'll... yeah, that's good. We've done like a few trips now too this year. We're running four out of Gus's, you know, 18 footer. And it's, I mean, it's fun because like it almost feels, you know, you got one guy casting out the back, one guy up front, one guy typically throwing more parallel and then the other guy's throwing off the other edge. And, you know, there was a, there was a few days where it was super eye opening on specific spots that, you know, you typically, if you're just running two people, both people would be throwing, you know, too short or too whatever the structure. And the guy actually throwing off the other side, there was a few days where they were the ones that were typically catching and moving the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know w- one day that we were out with me, Gus, and two of our buddies, uh, Clayton and, and Nick, and it was actually the people that were throwing opposite of typically where we were throwing these spots normally that were getting fish to move. So you're just, it, it's, super great for learning because you're like man these fish do kind of paddle around and and on certain days like they're just not where they're typically set up and you're only learning that by having more people so that that's been that was kind of fun actually i mean you know i don't know it's it's interesting for sure well that's the that's the beauty of having that extra Um, line. all right we're i'll go ahead i was gonna say that's the beauty of having that extra line like when we were on eagle this year the uh it was the water was way down like it was like two feet down this year so the fish weren't like sitting where they normally do they were pushed off structure a little bit and the challenge again is like my wife's very near the sport my buddy isn't a big musky angler or anything so like you kind of have to have them throwing baits that are easy for them to maneuver right and use and aren't going to kill them especially my wife to throw all day and so i i generally have them like throwing blades or swimming dog and a bucktail um, or sorry, in a top water, I mean. Um, and then I'm in the back, like trying everything that gets a little bit deeper. And I kept pulling fish off the back, but they're way down. Like, and I didn't have anything to like would be that would be easy for them to fish off the front. And it limited us a little bit. Like in hindsight, like had I had a jointed crank or something, we could have thrown that on and just like reel it in, give it a sweep or two, and and probably converted on some of those fish. But you know, if it would have been a normal year. And those fish were staged out there and we were pushed up a little tighter onto the structure, casting some of those spots. Like 
if we didn't have another line off that deeper edge, like we wouldn't have known. And um, I, I usually try to stay off structure a little bit more than maybe the average guy does up there, just because I, I've seen fish fall from so deep up there in the past that I try to stay off a little bit more, which I don't know, works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, it, the more lines you have in the water, the better off you're going to be, obviously, to try to put that pattern together and kind of figure out what's going to work and what isn't. Yeah. It's always trying to put the pieces together. It's always interesting when weird shit like that kind of happens and it makes the light bulb go on. And I know it's kind of helped us for tournament fishing. I mean, a lot of the times when it's just Gus and I, or, you know, the tournament Brian and I did, like we rarely are ever just two people casting at the shore. You know, where a lot of times the guy out in front of me is casting just freaking wherever. Cause you know, I know Gus is going to be pinpoint getting that bait in there from the back of the boat. And, you know, he's kind of guiding me like, and it's, uh, it's kind of just a good little mindset shift. I think it's really easy to get super locked in like, Hey, we're, you know, 30 feet off a weed bed. Let's just cast over the top of it. And, you know, hope, hope somebody strikes gold when in reality, there's a lot of these times these fish are sitting off, like you were saying, you, you set up a little deeper. I mean, I think that's, that's awesome. You're starting to hear more people kind of talk about that. Um, you know, it's, It'll be interesting. I feel like eventually there's going to be nowhere for these fish to hide anymore. <laughs> and I feel like everyone's starting right. to get pretty educated in this musky stuff. You know? Yeah. And yeah, uh, sure. it, it's all good. Um, all right. Well, we're kind of hitting the point. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on here as we're starting to kind of wrap up? Um, I was just going to ask with your, you said you went to Lake of the Woods and Eagle Lake. So do you got, eagle lake videos in store for this winter is that yeah, gonna be a big show I have, i'll probably release three of them i'll likely split it up into um Sweet. we we had a, a slow first couple of days on the trip like we moved a pile of fish we, we were bringing them to the boat and stuff but they just weren't committing and there's only so much you can do with that and then the last three days of our trip the wind picked up to like 30 35 miles an hour and it just just tossed us around and i had already been to lake of the woods for a week and had already fished really hard and we'd fished hard for like three three and a half days up on eagle four days up on eagle and i was kind of at the point where i was maybe more willing to not battle the wind so we spent the day trolling and it was super unproductive and i don't have a good trolling game at all i'll be the first to admit it like it's one of the things i want to work on this year and so yeah we'll we'll release some eagle lake stuff and then I have a few sucker fish that I will probably hold off on until early fall. And I want to go over the harness. I, I made my own harness and it outproduced all the store-bought stuff. So I kind of want to talk about that a little bit and maybe help some people out there. It's really easy to do. Nice. And uh, try and, again, be a little bit more educational than maybe I have been in the past. I'm not an expert by any means. Like, this is just what's worked for me and whatnot. But if it helps somebody, then great. That's what I want. That's cool. Yeah. Definitely want to hear about the, what you got in store on the YouTube thing. Cause that's, that's the big thing. If, uh, for the people in the back, if you haven't heard cabbage dragon media, go get a, go get a laptop out or phone. Go and get you some. To that channel. Go get, yeah, go get you some completely agree. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to ex extend a thank you to you for doing that stuff. Cause I know it's thankless work and it's keeping all of us sane. And I know I, I told this to other people, like we've had Brian and Ben Stone and guys like that on, on here. And it's uh, it's awesome that you guys are putting these videos together because 
just even seeing some of the footage that we've got, I know how hard it is to put it all together. We've been unable to do it so far. So thank you a bunch for making some awesome content and keeping us all entertained, Uh, especially during these winter months when things start to get a little bleak and, you know, you get, you get a little antsy. (laughs) Nice. No, no, I I appreciate that. I, it takes a a lot of uh, commitment and time behind the computer. And like you said, it's, it's pretty thankless and, um luckily I've, I've been pretty fortunate that i don't have that big of an outreach so i don't get a ton of the hate that some of the other guys get on their videos which is like <laughs> random comments of like like obviously and like, i i yeah. know yeah like, yeah like you guys <laughs> podcast with you right like i haven't had a ton of that yet i'm sure that's to come i had a little bit of that on the wisconsin musky battle video but um like yeah if if anybody can take one thing away from this, it's like YouTubers don't have to do this. Like there's there's no money in YouTube musky videos and production and all of that. Like it like Doug Wagner did a video a few years back on like how much money he made. And Doug has some of the most elite, like raw, pure musky catching content out there. And he wasn't making any money off YouTube. So we're not doing it for that. Like I do it to capture these memories and kind of make this stuff last a lifetime and it helps me because now I know like if I go to Lake of the Woods again next year and I'm in a cold front, I've got five days, six days, seven days of videos that I can go back and watch and remember what worked well, what didn't, what patterns we were on and things of that nature. So it it's educational. It's hopefully helpful to others and it's helpful to me as well as capturing some of those memories. So that's why we do it. For sure. Yeah. I just pulled, pulled up the video of uh, the musky battle Gotta love you always gotta respond with thanks for watching. You always gotta throw that in there if you're gonna reply to those comments. <laughs> it's like kill them with kindness. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you don't thank get you so that. much for what's that, Max? I was just saying, I don't get that, you know, like you're oh. taking the time to edit and put out stuff for people to watch, and then people are gonna take the time and be like, Why the why would you release it? <laughs> I don't know what kind of hate you're. I didn't read any of the comments, but I've seen stuff on other people's where I'm like, "Damn, they're just they're just putting out some cool content. It's not it's not a big deal. Everyone can relax. It's all good. <laughs> we don't need to take it so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's no problem. It's all good. Yeah, it's all we good. need to go. Uh, as when I say like hate, 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 they need to go join the uh, the play haters ball with Dave Chappelle. And friends, <laughs> yeah, join the hate go breathe some air outside, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you guys got anything else, Brian? Thanks, I'm good. This has been awesome. I can't thank you enough, Kyle, for coming on. I I know we've exchanged some messages in the past, so I was, I was happy that we could make this work tonight, and we'll definitely uh be watching, watching your videos as you release them here this winter and following along with your season next year. and if there's anything we can, um, any value we can add to the Muskie battle for Wisconsin, it'd be awesome to be a part of it next year. And, um, you know, that's a really exciting thing. And uh, just hope to keep in touch. And, hey, man, we're not too far away. So if we can hop in the boat together next year, that'd be awesome too. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to work something out with the battle next year and then maybe some uh, local stuff, Max, if you're around on the weekends or something. Yeah. That would be great. Maybe you and I can uh, bring out a case of uh, peach bush light and brave the uh, Tonka waters and do a little <laughs> scouting, scouting for the PMTT in uh, in August. That'd be great. 
Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, well thanks, Kyle, for sorry, coming I'm on. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. yeah thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Appreciate it, Kyle. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Well, guys, we can't thank Kyle enough for coming on the podcast here tonight and talking some YouTube stuff, travel stories, fishing stories, all that good stuff, camera setups. We had a blast talking to him about his YouTube channel, Cabbage Dragon Media. If you guys haven't heard of it, please go check it out. He's got some sick footage, great videography skills, great edits, uh, good commentary. Honestly, can't say enough good things about him. I know on the podcast with Glenn McDonald, he said some great things about him. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just great stuff. So, uh, I think we'll go around the horn here as we usually do after the interviews. Uh, I don't know who wants to start, but what's, uh, what's, uh, what's the takeaway you had in this interview? Uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, really enjoyed that. Kyle's an awesome dude. Uh, really good guy. I feel like I say that about everyone we interview, but just shows that there's a ton of great people in the muskie industry. Um, but yeah, I was, I enjoyed him diving into the muskie battle a little bit. Um, I think it sparked kind of all of our creative juices. I had some ideas as to like how you could lay out the video. And in my head, I'm just picturing like the old Bassmaster tournaments you'd watch on TV on Sunday morning. They just flash between boats. Like, all right, we're over here at this team's boat. They're hooked <laughs> up and then you're just flashing around. And <laughs> depending on how many fish you catch, you can make a long video. And I know you'd have his work cut out for him on that editing side. But um, yeah, hoping to be able to potentially take part in that this year. Um, but yeah, awesome talks with him. Max, how about you? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, getting the creative juices flowing with the the video side of things, I think just talking with him got me really fired up already for next summer. Uh, I know Gus, we've mentioned in the interview, just got a new camera. So we'll probably get some new footage uh, type, you know, shots coming out of our camp. But especially for the musky battle, I just think that that's such a cool such a cool idea such a cool event um you know it'd be awesome to just be a part of it next year um you know do what we can to to bring some value to it and just be part of it i think would be awesome there's so much to highlight in northern wisconsin i think you know you can you can get on some really cool systems up there whatever they decide to do um you know it could make for a very entertaining shoot so yeah obviously i think uh, another big takeaway i had uh, just meet another younger guy that's kind of dedicated himself to this musky thing. It always gets me fired up and makes me feel a little bit more sane, <laughs> you know, just yeah. being part of this community. It's always good to meet somebody else that's got the, uh, got the bug on the same level that we do, you know, hearing him drive, uh, you know, two and a half plus hours just for single day trips to go out and chase these stupid fish. It's just, just great. Just great to hear. Um, you know, you can definitely, definitely feel his passion when he talks about the sport. Um, you know, the handling of fish, the wanting for longevity of it. I think it's all great stuff. So a lot of good takeaways from the interview. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, anything here to kind of update as we, we move into the end of January? I know we got uh, show season coming up. It sounds like we got some guests that might be attending uh, a few of those shows i know that we'll be at a few of them so 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Gus, take us away on any any sort of updates from the musky world. I know you're you actually you're you're speaking at a new one, right? Or yeah, speaking yeah. at a few of them, doing some speaking engagements this year. Yep, yep. I uh, I can chat about that for sure. Um, because we, we haven't chatted here together in a while. We rec- pre-recorded uh two in a week, way back in early. Well, I shouldn't say way back, but you know, early January, and and now here we are. And it's it's this podcast is gonna air. You know, the day before Chicago Muskie Show. That's a big one. Uh, unfortunately, none of us three are going to be able to make it to that one. Um, I know I had some people asking about that. I hope hope maybe some of those that go to the Chicago will just go bump up to the Milwaukee one because that's, that's, where, that's where I for sure will be going. I'm not sure. I don't think Max will be able to make it. Brian, I'm not sure either. I think Wausau's the main main one for sure that we're all going to do. But yeah, that at the uh, at the Milwaukee show, I'll be on a guide panel. I'll get some more info out once I once I get some more info on timing, who's going to be on it, and where where it will be. You know, I, I've never been to the Milwaukee show, so I don't know. I don't know everything, the ins and outs down there. So I'm really excited to go that go to that one, and then coming up actually. Between Chicago and Milwaukee show, I'm going to be doing a seminar at the Muskie Road Rules event that Greg Thomas puts on on Vilas County Fishing. I haven't really put a full title to the presentation yet, but I'll do a seminar there at, uh, I think he said the events in Mosinee, Wisconsin. So I'm really excited about that. And I'll, I'll get out more information to you guys once I know more and and uh and yeah that's that's the future update right there the rest of the shows after chicago and Milwaukee aren't until um march is when minneapolis and wasa are and i know there's also some shows going on here re- shortly in pennsylvania i think it's the musky max and then the new york show uh we we won't be going to those those are a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch and travel for us but hope everybody enjoys those shows if they're going there if if any of the listeners are going there finally get to talk to some musky people in a warm building not out in ice cold freezing lake and get to talk about musky fishing and cope with our sadness by buying a whole shit pile of musky stuff that's our favorite part of it (laughs) we're gonna be uh... it's uh it's hashtag not new wait sorry Hashtag new bait season. <laughs> Buy new let's, bait. Uh, let's dive. <laughs> let's dive into that real quick. There's been some new show colors being released. There seems to be some new baits that are going to come out on market. You guys been yeah. eyeing up any of those new, uh, new, um, I guess releases that have kind of come out here over the past week or two. I mean, I know obviously we got our eyes on that big old quad dog, and uh, oh, oh. Some of those colors from um, mm. Muskie Innovations came out, and they look dude tasty. Take so, my oh, you guys man. See... <laughs> <laughs> mm. All those Ultra yeah. Flash or whatever the Lunar series. Come on, man! I know they're just yeah, doing yeah. that for freaking catching our eyes, but they catch fish. I freaking love those Lunar series. I got a, a Lunar walleye or something from a year or two ago. Swimming dog that was just cash money so gotta 
we got to so get what ones are what what which ones specifically are, are catching your eye, Gus and Brian? I know I know Brian's just freaking freaking out over there pull, seeing all those releases. I, I uh I got I got two pulled up here. These are quad doggy cussies. Uh first one, <laughs> the sunset perch. I mean, you guys take a gander here. Oh you got that's disgusting. Yellow bro. orange Come tail on, what? with the perch body. All right. That's gonna be seen. Murky water. And then this oh. this is my this is my humble side here. Blotchy perch, navy blue, gold, and white. Wait, that's like a blotchy that. walleye. Which is also sick. Mm-hmm. So those those are those are two that I like a lot. And then Max, <laughs> your one that you hit today was the uh, Oh yeah. Swimming dog. That's my favorite. Yeah, the, the the lunar like all green swimming dog <laughs> is gonna be a staple for me. I already lunar got like Mars. when I saw that bait, I automatically just started thinking about the lakes that I want to throw that bait on. Yeah, that I know I that that color just 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 is that does all you well. did when you saw that bait. <sighs> Relax over there, buddy. I'm not. <laughs> watch your own bobber, Brian. <laughs> yeah, watch your own bobber there, buddy. Um. <laughs> Gus, what about you? What what are you looking at for some of the baits that are coming out for show season? Um, I definitely want to pick up in uh for for our boy Glenn McDonald. I got to get a sunset jailbird for sure. We got to rep. Mm. We got to rep one of yeah. those. I think that thing will just be absolutely head hunted. Um, definitely probably their new wisconsin walleye i know people are like oh put the white tip tail but i mean that thing just looks purdy it's like a little bit more brown and uh good gold highlights huge fan of that natural golden white like max said lunar mars looks sick they got the new lunar tennessee shad which is a little funky but honestly I kind of dig it. I like that subtle orange belly with like the gold yellow flashy sides and then a the little bit of a blue back. I mean, blue is kind of a weird color, but honestly, it's it's pretty it's pretty natural. There's a lot of there's a lot of fish that have little subtle blue hues in them. You know, Cisco's got a little bit sometimes on the right sunlight, like a crappie would. I mean, you look close at some of these right. panfish and they got so many different like just weird flashy colors to them it's it's pretty cool but i know the colors are more catching yeah. the fishermen not the fish but we don't care about that we're still gonna buy them hell yeah hell that's yeah why, uh, yeah that's why that's why the show colors are always so much fun when they start coming out and i mean you never know sometimes you strike gold i mean there's been a few years where you know some of these show colors have really outshined um, yeah. I know a lot of people talk about just keeping things natural and simple, but you know, part of the fun and all this is trying to differentiate yourself. And, uh, you know, you can do that by throwing some of these kind of funkier colors. What'd you guys mm -hmm. think about that one that was just kind of like pearl white and then had the gold back? I don't know what it's called. I think it was, I uh, it's pretty one, solid. So I can't pull it up. I'll, I'll find yeah, it. I think it's lunar money. I think it's lazy. I think it's lazy, but I think, <laughs> I think, but I, after I looked at it, I was like, you know Damn. what? That's just, that's just going to catch fish. It's not the most flashy thing, but it's colors that are tried and true. Um, it's got that know, yeah, I mean, there's nothing flash. crazy about it. Somebody's going to buy it. Somebody's going to catch fish. <laughs> 
I love how you're like that's lazy and like black bait just works super good. <laughs> All black. <laughs> yeah, you buy that lunar one uh, and just spray paint it black. I mean, how yeah. do you come up with lunar Mars? Just gorgeous. Like there's some real science behind how they made that. And then they come out with, with lunar money in the same year. I mean, that thing looks 10 years older than lunar Mars. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree that they're a little, it's a little less flashy, but I, I do agree with Gus that it's it's probably pretty solid. I mean, anything with like oh, yeah, it's gonna that full white belly has been well for us. And I'll, I'm going to be keeping my eye out. You know, if there's any like uh, smaller bait makers that's going to be at these shows, hit us up because I'm, I really got my eye out right now for, you know, a new glide bait that I want to take to Kentucky for the uh, Cave Run PMCT. And any yeah. sort of different dive and rise type uh, lures, I want to take take a look at as well. Dive um, and rise for sure. I've been chatting know, with a few people about some yeah. dive and rise. And cool. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but but I think I think that's good. a good category that I think we'll we'll dive into some new ones. We'll definitely find some. That'll be cool. Also, no pun side intended. note though. Yeah, this is the the. Uh, our good pal Nick Amrose, he actually makes his own baits. Um, shout out! Shout out! He makes crank shout baits. Out. I think that's what he started with. Yep. But he makes like, uh, like a like a jerk bait. You know, not just a trolling crank bait. Uh, that's kind of like a resemblance of a ten inch Jake, somewhat. Uh, he makes a glide bait now. That's what I was gonna bring up to you, Max. I think we definitely got to get some. From him, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's going to be at the Wasa. He's going to be at show. the show. He's going to be at the Wasa oh. show. Yeah, so definitely look out for him. I got a. Oh shoot, he's he's uh combining. Do you have a name for? Give a name for his baits yet? Um. Well, I know he he calls the uh the one um the two crankbaits he has. He's a larger one called the Jackhammer, and the smaller one called the Chainhammer that's a little bit more size friendly on the, on the chain. I didn't get a chain hammer until late this year. So it didn't really do much in the late fall. I was catching more fish on a lot larger baits, but I know he's got some buddies that use the chain hammer and clean up uh, trolling with them big time. And he's actually caught a, um, a few fish on his own glider this past year, pre-fishing in the, in the cave run event. So that's definitely got his paint jobs are his paint jobs are incredible. Yeah, he makes a sick pattern. I think Clayton was throwing that this December. That's like white with like some shad hues in it, sparkly hues. That's mainly white and with a little gold or something like that. And that would be a great shad uh, glide bait. We'll plug more in there when I get some more info from him. I'm going to go probably check out his shop one of these days and see how he paints them up and stuff here this winter. He's been working really hard. He's got a ton of blanks as we speak right now and he's been sanding. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely plug his info in more on which booth he's going to be at. He told me a few weeks ago or a week ago, and I can't remember what it is he's sharing with somebody, but he'll be there. And Wausau isn't like a giant show. So you'll be able to see, you know, everyone that's going on there which is why that one's really really cool a lot of a lot of small batch bait, bait makers so excited for that 
And yeah, like Max said, if you guys, any of the small bait companies and you're, and you're, uh, and you're going to the shows. Yeah. Let us know. We want to know which, which of these, you know, glides and cranks and, and diving rides to get, we want to branch out and, and try some of these. We always love, a love a small batch bait maker, cool paint jobs. We love those. For sure. Well, it sounds like for next week, we're going to have some boots on the ground in the Chicago show for our guests next week. So I'm looking forward to that episode. Um, we'll keep his uh, identity hidden for this time. You know, got to, got to build it up a little bit. So looking forward to hopping on with you guys again uh, next week and kind of getting back into the routine of things. Hopefully I get my Wi-Fi back. And I'll uh, yeah. won't be coming coming through like hey, who, our episodes one through three. <laughs> who do you have uh, for Wi-Fi? Uh, I don't know. Mm. Just gonna give him <laughs> a big old shout out, but <laughs> serious. Yeah. Shout out uh, AT and T. Yeah, don't think that that's the case, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Before we wrap up this pod, I'll just give out the. Uh, Give out the plug, the shout out to uh to the Instagram. We got the Muskies on Tap Instagram. If you guys give that a follow, that'd be great. Follow us along our journey. Pump out some new content here shortly. It's kind of the winter, but we'll still get some stuff out. And we're really look really looking forward to the new year. Like we've mentioned in here, I got a new camera. Looking to step up the video game. Uh, this coming 2024 season. Also, 2024 books for uh, for guiding guiding with me are are open. If you want to give me a shout, uh, you can find me at Suggs Fishing on Instagram as well as Suggs Fishing Guide Service on Facebook. You can uh, give me a direct message message there. You can also find all the guide info on www.sugsfishing.com, and that gives you the uh, the uh, picks and the rates and what you need to bring and all that also has the merch, not too many hoodies left. Uh, whatever's left here shortly, I'm going to cut it off on the website here probably shortly and bring the remaining to the shows. Uh, I forgot to mention that we're going to be bringing the remaining hoodies. I don't have a booth, but if you just flag me down, I'm going to run a show special price on them uh, cash or Venmo and uh yeah probably have the pint glasses with i'll have a bunch of stickers for you guys i'll be just dishing that th- those things out just out of the palm of my hands so uh yeah looking forward to what, seeing what about the new the show season what about the new uh the new uh merch batch that's cooking up right now yeah yeah the new merch batch is gonna it's gonna be some some ball caps some uh some trucker hats, snapback, mesh back, you know, just kind of similar to like what you'd get off of uh like a similar style hat to uh what is it? Like a hooked and tagged or a Sims or something like that. Uh we're really looking forward to getting that dialed up. We'll have two colors. Once we know more, we'll let you guys know. Going to first sell those at the shows. I'll be bringing them to Milwaukee, Minneapolis and Wausau sell those first and then uh if if they sell out that's awesome if they don't i'll throw them up on the website if you weren't able to make the shows and and yeah looking forward to that we'll uh we'll give some more info once we get that 
Um, I'm in the process of dialing up the order as we speak, going through the mock-ups. So that is a little update there. And I think that gets us caught up here. I'm hoping that with the slightly warmer weather coming up soon, I won't be as sick. I'll maybe get out ice fishing. These temperatures are just draining. The days are getting longer, though. We got great things ahead of us. So with that being said, Brian, take us away here on tonight's podcast. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Muskies on Tap. Shout out for Kyle Freed just for joining us tonight. What a guy. What an interview. Can't wait to talk to him soon in the future. And how about them Green Bay Packers? What a start to the playoffs for them. And there's a long road ahead. They are not going down anytime soon. Jordan Love, the truth, the future, the current. Matt LaFleur, the has been, the who's been, the will be. He's the truth. Packers are not slowing down. Stay tuned this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Jones getting near the goal line. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Green Bay on the opening drive. Prescott fires for Cooks, and it's intercepted. Jair Alexander, he's got it. Second and two here, though. Here's Prescott over the middle. It's going to be picked off, and no one in front of him. Darnell Savage. Touchdown. Love. Back foot. Has a man wide open. It's going to be caught by Musgrave. Racing towards the end zone. He is in. Touchdown. Green Bay. On the fake. Love. Zips it in there. It's caught for the touchdown. Romeo Dobbs. 